Hello and welcome to In Defense of, a movie podcast. On this episode, we are talking all about Steve from 2009. All about Steve, the best movie you'll ever watch. Yeah, so this movie was uh, distributed by 20th Century Fox. It was directed by Phil Trail, and it was produced by the one and only Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Currently, it sits on Rotten Tomatoes at a whopping 6%, Aaron. And yes, the audience score is 30%. Um, and I don't know why, because this movie is a masterpiece. <laughs> now, Aaron, uh, you, do you recognize that 6% rating? Does that? I do. <laughs> that is the same rating as our friend Gili. Oh, another quality great movie. <laughs> Oh boy. So there's, you know, Aaron, when we, when, when we talked about this film, uh, I kind of thought like, oh yeah, you know, this is probably going to be the most straightforward, uh, episode we've done yet. Like it's just a romantic comedy that didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe just misfired a little bit, like not a lot to think about, but upon watching it, oh my goodness, there's like so much going on here. Yeah. Uh, uh, it it is super (laughs) positive. Aaron, uh, when was the first time you watched this film? Okay, I'm a bit of a like uh, a closet closet Sandra Bullock fan. Um, ever yeah. si- ever since uh, uh, what was that movie Demolition Man? And oh yeah, way yeah, back then, yeah, right. And she says that line like you could take it and shovel it or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, ever since that ever since that movie, um, I've been a Sandra Bullock fan, and. Yeah. Obviously, whenever I heard about this movie coming out, I'm pretty sure I like downloaded it and watched it mm-hmm. uh, by myself. So by yourself, by myself, uh, <laughs> watched a Sandra Bullock movie. I hadn't seen this. Like uh, I started watching it and then realized that I'd seen it before. Like a lot of Sandra Bullock movies kind of blend together for me, and yeah. um, I kind of get them mixed up and. I kept. Uh, I was like, "Wait a sec! I've seen this before. I remember the red boots. I remember her uh, talking to a hamster. I remember Bradley Cooper and all this stuff." Like, you and then can't I realized forget those red boots can't forget those red boots. So I was like, "When did I see this?" And then I was like, "Well, I'm sure that some somebody made me watch this movie, but I don't remember exactly when." But yeah, suffice to say, when I rewatched it for this episode, it was like having like a. You know when you're like you remember something you dreamt about the night before, like halfway through the day, and you're like, "Oh yeah," and you're kind of piecing it together. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I felt watching this no, film. Yeah. yeah. So, Aaron, what is all about Steve all about? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> all about Steve is obviously stars uh, Sandra Bullock as Mary Mag Magdalene Horowitz. Yes, the and, most uh, Jewish Catholic yeah. name you've ever heard. Yeah. And uh, her love interest in the movie is Bradley Cooper, who is Steve. And Hartman. Thomas Hayden Church as Hartman. And Ken Jong as Angus, who's like crazy underutilized in this film. Yeah. And then Keith David as Corbett. Um, yeah. Keith David, of course. The voice of Goliath from Gargoyles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? This whole time I was like, I know, I know this voice. I know yes. it. And I, it, was, it all makes sense now. Uh, and don't forget DJ Qualls as uh, Howard. 
<laughs> yeah, I was trying to explain uh, to my wife uh, the plot of that movie, The New Guy, when I when he came on screen, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, you don't remember him from all these different films?" Yeah, The New Guy. That was a good movie. Yeah. Um, sorry. So where was I? Uh, so yeah, those are the actors. Uh, Sandra Bullock <laughs> is an insanely smart woman. Um, she basically works at a local te- uh, newspaper creating co- crossword puzzles, and yeah. she is obsessed with crossword puzzles. Yes, like that's saying obsessed is like an understatement. Uh, she she is insanely smart. Anyways, kind of awkward. Um, she's obsessed with crosswords. She, and, uh, she, yeah, she's a little bit of an awkward kind of, uh, like probably almost too smart for her, for her own good, like to too smart to the point where she is socially awkward and, yeah. uh, can't really function. Um, and then what ends up happening is she meets, um, or she, I guess she gets set up by her parents, uh, with Bradley Cooper's character, Steve. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And so she, <laughs> she goes, she just like sees him. I don't want to say love, but just really, really likes him and attaches her, herself to him. Yeah. But that's what the movie is supposed to be about. But there, if I was to, if I was like writing the, uh, the plot, the plot summary, I would say it is about a lady who goes on a journey to find herself. Yeah. That's that's what blew my mind. Um, yeah. And that's what so much of this uh, hinges on for me is like, I went into this thinking that it was a romantic comedy. Um, but it's not necessarily either of those things. No. Um, Sandra Bullock's character, um, what did she call her? She called, um, she called herself a cruciverbalist. Like that's the name for people that make crosswords. So that was kind of cool oh. to learn. Um yeah, she she basically she jumps Bradley Cooper's bones right in his truck um, without saying a single word to him. Yeah, she's just all over him. Yeah. Um, uh, but Bradley Cooper has his character. Sorry, I should probably refer to him as his character. Steve has the uh, the decency to recognize that this person might not exactly be. In you know they might not be appreciating the weight of their decision making in that moment, and yeah. so rather than just like mindlessly sleep with her, let the night go on, he actually gets out of the situation. But he gets this is very important. He gets out of the situation before he does. He says this fleeting line to um to Mary where he says, "Oh yeah, I wish you could come with me, but yeah, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. You know, gotta go to work." Yeah, and. That ends up being like what the movie hinges on because um, she loses herself in Steve right away and she submits this crossword to the paper that is literally called All About Steve, the movie's namesake, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting, Aaron, because it, it, it seems to me that that she was so trusted at that paper that her crosswords would go right to print without anyone having a look at them. Is that yeah. kind of how that works? Yeah. Um so she gets fired for for doing this crossword that's all about this this uh, infatuation which it, it is so tragic because she's so brilliant and she literally 
the, in the scene, like before that, she wanted to submit like five different crosswords yeah. to like have one a day. Like she was so ambitious, goes right to her boss and says, hey, I got an idea. Let's do like one a day and have them get increasingly difficult. Um, but Aaron, I, her boss fires her I, like right on the yeah, spot. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it had something to do because from the start of this movie, um, it just seems like she has an overwhelming personality. And yes. people don't know how to deal with it. So as as soon as as soon as she talks to anyone, they get overwhelmed and they just want to like shut her down and walk away. Um, yes, it kind of happens in the scene when she's with uh, Steve in the back of his car and they're about to you know start engaging in sex. Um, yeah, and and so he he almost looks like he gets this kind of annoyed look on his face because she just starts talking out of nowhere, um, you know, like jumps his bones, but doesn't uh, but doesn't say anything. And then all while they're in the act, there she starts talking, right? And so yeah. she comes off very odd. Uh, same thing when she goes to her goes to her boss and is just so passionate about crossword puzzles and saying we should do this, we should do that, we mm-hmm. should do that, and he's going. The crossword puzzle is like probably one of the least important parts of the newspaper, or at least in his mind. And uh, and yeah, so I think that had something to do with part of the reason why um, she was fired. She's just very misunderstood. Yes, she uses this quote to to. Um, I can't remember who she's referencing in the movie. I should have wrote it down, but she uses this metric in order to judge the uh, the quality of crosswords. She said it's a three point metric where she says one, is it solvable? Two, is it entertaining? And three, does it sparkle? Which is also a very loose descriptor of how we chose which movies to do for this podcast. <laughs> um, Damn! Don't tell them our secrets. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> wait, wait, delete that. Delete that in post. Um, but here's the thing, Aaron. When when I saw this in 2009, or whenever I I had to sit through this, uh, this was 10 years ago that this came out. A decade ago. I didn't, full disclosure, I did not understand what Sandra Bullock was doing. No, neither Uh, did I. I had no idea. I didn't recognize the nuances and the actual, like, legit brilliance in her performance. Mm -hmm. And so when I first watched it, I was along with everyone else thinking it was an awkward, misfire, weird kind of movie that didn't really, you know, deliver. Um, But... Before we kind of reveal the the twist of that, I just want to say, like, Sandra Bullock, she produced this. She has produced about a dozen films that she's starred in. Like, she's actually, like, super hardworking. Um, And get this, like, the movies that she's produced have grossed almost $3 billion at the box office. Yeah. There's a select few in Hollywood that have elevated themselves to, like, this other, you know... Mm-hmm. next level branding right so yeah i feel like when this movie was getting put together sandra bullock wanted to try something different because she mm-hmm. had done a lot of rom-coms already yeah and this movie did get pushed back uh at least a year because the studio was not quite confident in it um it actually filmed uh in late 2007 but it didn't come out till 2009 
before we get into the twist here, um, I have one thing to say, and yeah. that was she did get a nominated for a Razzie for this and actually won the Razzie. Yeah. And it was very interesting because the way you're talking about how where Sandra Bullock went with this character. Because in her acceptance speech, she actually is like wheels up a little red wheelbarrow of uh, DVDs uh, of All About Steve. And it says there's a copy for everyone in the audience. And she tells them to re-watch it. But see, something tells me you all didn't really watch the film. Because I wouldn't be here if you really, really watched it and understood what I was trying to say. So... <laughs> Everyone gets a copy, and this is the deal I'm going to make you again. Seeing how when I said I would show up, I miraculously won. I will show up next year if you promise to watch the movie, and I mean really watch it, and really consider if it was really and truly the worst performance. And if you're, if you're willing to watch it, and then I will come back next year, I will give back the Razzie. And uh, which is like super interesting when you said... Um like you didn't realize that like neither did i and no. and yeah so and once you watch it again you're like like holy smokes like she did an insane job like she was like she played that part to the t yeah because you know now here's the thing um this movie was way ahead of its time because here's yeah. here's here's what's going on in this film Aaron is her character Mary is on the is on the spectrum. She is she has she's autistic. Yeah. Um and uh you know even even some like uh, Asperger's tendencies, you know? And that choice alone is what makes this entire film happen. Mhm. But back then nobody got that. No. And I feel like this frames up legitimately like everything I want to defend about this movie. Yeah. When we meet her, she is this high-functioning, brilliant person who can pull crosswords out of out of thin air at like a moment's notice, you know? Yeah. Um, she has her comfort zone mechanisms, like her boots and things like that. You know, she talks to her hamster. Um, mm -hmm. which poor hamster gets totally forgotten about in this film, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who's feeding that hamster what when she takes name? off. Oh, I don't remember. I didn't write it down. Oh, shoot. I wanted to dedicate this episode to that hamster. <laughs> to the I hope it got fed. Um, what's more important too is like, basically this entire movie is about a person with autism navigating loss and relationships yeah. and love and mm -hmm. finding themselves. And, oh, my God, Aaron, I did not expect this when I sat down no. to watch this film. No, and I, I think that one of the biggest problems with this movie is that it was labeled as a rom-com. From the producer of Miss Congeniality and Two Weeks Notice. It's about choosing your path and just committing to it. Sometimes it takes a second chance to realize. We're going to take a break. Sure enough, like you to join me. Will Steve be there? Who do you think sent me? Yeah, totally. So people went into this thinking, oh, great, like the Bradley Cooper, the hangover guy. He, he, you know, he's yeah. kind of like uh, the eye candy. Okay, they're going to get together. You know, pretty straightforward movie. But, like, 
in this movie, like she loses her job and that job was her Mm -hmm. everything. And so she attaches her, you know, she has problems processing like emotions and attachment. Like she jumps this guy's bones because she finds him attractive. And then, you know, she, she, she sees, uh, Here's the thing. I'm 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 stumbling a bit here, but basically what I'm trying to say is like this movie is about the power of words. Mhm. It's all about the power of words because yeah. she hangs she takes every single thing that Steve says completely literally. Mhm. And it's a huge reminder to to everybody to like understand that what you say to people has way more meaning than you might think it does, you know? Yeah. Because he yeah. was like, oh, I wish you could come with me. And he was like, you know, oh, it's too, you know, she she was under the impression that if her job wasn't holding her back, she could just hit the road and go be with this guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Steve was like, oh, man, I understand. I'm in a, I'm not, you know, I'm in an awkward situation. I, I realize that this could be strange because this girl's, you know, on a different wavelength than I am. So I'm just going to get, say whatever, I, say whatever I have to say to get her out of my truck, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's like I just from the start, I liked her character Um, in the first five minutes of the movie. I I I just thought like whatever whatever she's going for, like I'm convinced. Like I'm convinced that's not Sandra Bullock, and that is whoever that character is she's playing. Like I'm I'm convinced that's Mary uh, Horowitz. Yeah, like she knew off by heart how many readers the paper had. She yeah. She had an annoyingly intense level of knowledge that she just bouted off. Like she couldn't even turn it off. It was like a tap. She just couldn't stop. You know, letting the the stuff flow. Um, mm-hmm. that yeah. As soon as I realized what she was doing upon rewatching this, I was like, it was like being punched in the gut. Cause I went into it being like, okay, like Sandra Bullock misfire. Here we go. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is actually pretty wild. What she's trying to convey here. Mm-hmm. Um, so in preparation for this episode, because in a movie like this, that's a little under the radar, there's not as much like, weird wacky behind the scenes stuff but what Mm -hmm. i was interested in is i i went down this rabbit hole of like how people thought about her portrayal as a person on the spectrum because whoever got i wanted to hear from the people that actually got that when this came out yeah And, and and i did a bunch of digging and i came across all sorts of articles there was this one uh lady who wrote this article it was it was like a six page article about how um, how awesome it was to have uh, people on the spectrum represented on film, finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she outlined all the different uh, the, all the different mechanisms and personality things and nuances that Sandra Bullock's character did throughout mm-hmm. the film. And she gave real-life examples to how actually accurate a lot of that was. Wow, yeah. I had the great pleasure of directing Sandy in the film Hope Floats. And I got to see firsthand the beauty of her work, which she does with such ease. And some miss the delicacies and the complexities inside of it. But the breadth and the depth of her heart, which she allows us to share, is that intangible, magical quality that she can never miss 
in a Sandra Bullock performance. We don't really usually do this, but I wanted to read this one IMDb review because I felt like th- this really jumped out at me, Aaron. Check this out. Okay. So I don't know who wrote this. There's no name on it. I don't, um, so, but, but uh, if you want to read this for yourself, it's on the website. So um, the title of it is All About Steve Misunderstood? Question mark, question mark, question mark. So th- this person wrote, like so many other people that said this was the worst film of the year and worst film made by Sandra Bullock, I was inclined not to watch the movie. But being a Sandra Bullock fan, I was curious as to what made this film so bad. To my surprise, I thought that maybe, just maybe, the film was misunderstood, just like the main character. Although Mm -hmm. there were times when I thought the quirkiness of the characters was ridiculous, I found myself looking more at Sandra's character, Mary, and saw some of my own son's quirks and eccentricities. Having a son with high-functioning autism slash Asperger's, I couldn't help but see the similarities. Sandra's character is brilliant, beautiful, hyperactive, talkative, naive, and above all, socially challenged. I love how the movie ended with a message stating that it's okay to be different. So Mm -hmm. as goofy as this film may be for some, to those who know family members or friends with unique characteristics and traits might find this film to be worth viewing. It's all mm-hmm. how you look at it. Yeah, that is beautifully put. I couldn't, I couldn't say it any. Yeah, roll credits. Like I couldn't say it any better myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm just beside myself going. You know what I mean? Going into this film with such low expectations. Yeah. Um, do you think that if this movie was to come out like, uh, like in current current days now, uh, do you think it would do a lot better? And uh, properly advertised as to what it actually is. Mm. I I have two thoughts on that matter. There, there's there's the one thought that is yeah like yeah definitely yeah like uh, um, as as I learned researching for this movie uh, representation is so important and there there are very few instances where people on the the autistic slash Asperger spectrum are portrayed in a realistic and kind of honoring way. Um, but at the same mm-hmm. time. There, there's all this like, um, uh, like reactionary uh, outrage culture where it's like, oh well, why didn't they just get someone on the spectrum to play that character? You know what I mean? So yeah. there would be some sticky points as in terms of like who played the lead role. I think, I think people might get hung up mm. on that based on the kind of like culture around the sort of stuff that's you know nowadays. Yeah. How, what about you? What do you think? Yeah. Um. Well, I I think it would be uh, I think it would be I think it would be a success because um, like I although it, it has to do with autism and uh, Aspergers and things like that, but I find that there still are a lot of people out there like it's, you know I guess us millennials are known for um, still living with our parents you know being in an older age um, and not quite having like career together or or whatever mm. right and so. Like, I, I think from that sense, um, it could be a bit more relatable mm-hmm. uh, for, like, the millennial generation. Because when this movie came out, uh, all us millennials were younger and, you know, we didn't really get it. Yeah. But now that we're older, like, watching it now, you're like, holy, like, holy shit, like, I, I get what she was going for. And I know a couple people, like, right off the top of my head who are very in very similar situations as her. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like, I watched this with my wife, and uh, 
we were talking. I, I, she graciously uh, agreed to watch it with me, and 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 mm-hmm. she was kind of like, "Oh boy, here we go." Like she didn't have good memories of it either. Yeah. And so we sat down, both in this attitude of like, "Oh boy, here we go." Like here we go. Mm-hmm. But then I can't remember what the exact moment was, but I remember pausing it. Well, because I, I was taking notes, I remember pausing it. We looked at each other, and we were just like. Oh, <laughs> oh! I understand yeah. now. Yeah. Um, the the there is a few scenes that I really like. Like um, when she becomes, I guess she goes to. Okay, so she when she goes chasing after Steve, she goes to this um, rally that's happening about some people who have a baby, and I guess it's born with a third leg. And there's a group of protesters that are in favor of amputating the third leg. And then there is like a group of protesters that are um, like want the child to grow up and choose whether it wants the leg amputated or not. Which is like, which is kind of like, what? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's like, I am pretty sure when this kid is older and has three legs, it's going to be like, I want this leg gone. Um, But uh, sorry. So when she runs into Steve there and uh, and then Steve does his thing, whatever, leaves. And then she goes and she joins the protesters that are pro leg. And she meets uh, she meets two people there. Uh, It is DJ Qualls, which is Howard and uh, Elizabeth, who is paid by Katie Mixon. And uh, yeah, and so once you see her kind of make friends, it just war it just like warmed my heart. It wasn't it so nice that like she she finally got to be around people that like accepted her for who she was. Yeah, yeah, and then she just kind of comes to life. And then by the end of the oh, the closing shot of this film like really got me, really really got me. I don't want to spoil it because if you haven't seen it, like. I'm assuming in most of these episodes that like everyone's already seen these films, but if you haven't seen it, I, I don't want to like spoil the the transitional stuff at the end. But like, suffice to say, it's 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 such a nice um, journey that she goes on. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I always, I feel like Howard and Elizabeth as well are kind of the millennials in this uh, in in this episode too, and they just kind of like get that she's different and that she is just a really smart person and she's like quirky and they just accept her for the way she is. Yeah. And Aaron, and that that third leg thing, I I thought it was so goofy that I, I, I overthought it a little bit, but I was wondering if that wasn't an intentional parallel to her personality quirk, where it was like something that's so outrageous that you're born with but everyone, there's half these people that think it's wrong and that it needs mm-hmm. to go. And then there's the other half who are embracing it and just being like, yeah. hey. And it's interesting because she sides with the people that like embrace it, right? The pro-leggers. Yeah. So yeah. I think. But I it's because they got good snacks. It's because they got good snacks. <laughs> but no. I, I can't help but wonder if in the writing process that that whole, because uh, third leg, that just sounds so ridiculous. I thought that maybe that was trying to draw a symbolic parallel to who she was as a character. That might yeah. be giving this movie too much credit, but I think it's worth thinking about because that's no, way too outrageous I, to not I be th- on purpose. I, I think that it I think that it did have to do with it. Because 
like you just you you don't come up with something that outrageous, you know, and uh, and put it in your movie because anyone <laughs> like anyone in their right mind, if they have an ab- abnormality when they're born, like a child, you're gonna remove it. Yeah, um, you know, because like, can you imagine what that child is gonna go through growing up? Mm-hmm. Um, like he's gonna be laughed at, uh, made fun of, uh, like you know, because because he, he has an extra leg. Yeah. Or it might have been a she, so sorry if I got that wrong. Um, but yeah, so, so like, it definitely is intentional the way they wrote that part into the movie. Yeah, I, I, it's be- got to be, right? Like, it's weird, yeah. but it's got to be. I mean, it's just too ridiculous. Because she's essentially the grown-up version of that child with the extra leg, except she has a different, like, abnormality, which is her uh, autism or Asperger's. Uh also, did you notice another parallel which blew my mind was did you notice like that their crossing paths and running like down and across was freaking like mirroring an actual crossword puzzle? Did you notice that? The way she's like following him and they cross each other's paths and stuff? Like oh, yeah. is, the, okay. is this movie actually being that intelligent that they're like drawing a crossword on the United States? Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Am I reading too much into this, or did that actually happen on purpose? Yeah, I'm sure that there is a crossword puzzle that came out for this movie called, and it was called <laughs> All About Steve. And then you watch the movie and you get the clues from the movie and fill out the crossword puzzle. I'm sure that happened. Yeah, my or gosh. we should make it happen if it didn't. Right? This, this, oh, this is so weird, man. I like if if you're listening to this episode and you haven't seen this film. Um, it, it's it's very difficult to relate to us right now and how bizarre mm-hmm. this journey is because it's just, yeah. you have to see it to believe it. It's just, um, imagine like, a San- imagine being the only person in the room that got the joke. That's kind of what it feels like watching this movie in 2019. Mm-hmm. And, and just to go back to that whole Razzie Award speech, like it just, it still blows my mind. Uh, the fact that she like calls, she tells people, like she literally tells people, watch it again. And if you think I'm a bad actor, I'll come back next year. She says that. Yeah, because she's a boss. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. she she has a point. And I was like, oh, like I don't know what she means about that because I watched it before I I watched the movie. Like I watched the Razzie acceptance speech before I watched the movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then just watching it again, I was like, holy smokes, like she's right. Yeah, uh, she's right. She's right. And um, she's an adoptive mother in real life, too. Um, yeah. She, yeah, she has a couple adopted kids in real life. The only reason I bring that up is because I think it just it shows how um, accepting she is on that level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It does take a certain kind of person to choose to adopt. And I think that's a that. It, it's it's I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot more of hers in this movie even than like uh, than we think you know what I mean in terms of the kind of things that she thinks are important and stuff so yeah especially uh, accepting that Razzie award mm-hmm. I want to start uh, petitioning to have this movie like re-released into oh, theaters <laughs> can you imagine oh that would be awesome and like um, oh it's it's so weird though because. I feel like if this had an indie movie vibe, then mm. this movie would be like success. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that it got kind of painted as a rom-com and it definitely has that 
rom-com feel, but the yeah. only difference is they don't end up together at the end. I totally agree with you. An indie movie vibe would have completely saved this. Like, if this had a Little Miss Sunshine vibe, it would have, like, crushed. People would have been mm-hmm. all over it. But the Sandra Bullock, Bradley Cooper, th- that whole, just those two names put, like, a specific label on this film in people's minds. And it just, it told, it was its downfall, I think. Like, Honestly, there's goofy stuff in this film and there's stuff that doesn't make sense and we can get into some of that. But this Mm -hmm. is not, in my my personal opinion, this is not a bad film by any stretch of the imagination. No. Um, The other point this brings me to is that um, we have it in our heads. This is interesting because this seems very self-aware of Sandra Bullock to do something like this because... Aaron, we, we touched a bit on this in Gili where we talked about how like we have to do like better as mm-hmm, a society yeah. in terms of we have this weird Hollywoodized expectation on like when we go see a rom com, the people that yeah. are in that rom com need to be like perfect people or they need to be like a certain kind of person, right? Mm-hmm. We we like to watch stories of sensational people, like perfect people with perfect yeah. teeth and perfect hair and perfect jobs, and they're richer and they're wealth, you know. Like, um, but then this movie comes along and flips all of that on its head in the most weird way, you know. And this is post Hangover, so Bradley Cooper's on fire. Ken Jeong's just starting his acting career, so everyone's like, "Oh, Ken Jeong, the funny guy who, the naked guy from The Hangover, like, let's go see <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. It's gonna be hilarious." And that was all just marketing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's just not what this is. Meet Mary. Who's the verbalist? That means crossword constructor. Meet Steve. I'm pretty much one man team. This spring, he's afraid you're gonna. <laughs> Break his heart. A comedy about friends. Right here. Look at me. Focus. You're rocking this relationship. Love. Look at me. You're here. You're here with me. Focus. Right here. Okay. And other puzzling things. This is all about me. One across Steve's eye color. This is all about me. All about Steve. I wonder because um, I tried to look for 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 uh, like footage of. Bradley Cooper talking about the movie and stuff. And like, could you find any, any footage of people actually talking bad about the movie? Like the actors that were involved in it? No, all the interviews I saw was them all just like joking around as a group and being, yeah. having a ton of fun. So one, one thing that's very common in doing these, doing research for all these movies here is you like find someone who was a part of that movie and absolutely will just say negative things and trash it. And yes. in this movie, there was no one that said anything negative about it. Yeah. So I like I found that very interesting. That's true. To this day, um, like take a movie like Catwoman, to this day, Halle Berry will still speak negatively of it and continues mm-hmm. to. Um, but yeah, not Sandra Bullock. I haven't I haven't heard anything about about her, you know, slamming this film. Yeah. Yeah, and so I I thought that was like that was really cool because it's definitely a nice change up from our usual pace here. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's so funny. I like when we were like, oh yeah, let's do a rom com to kind of you know because we haven't really touched on a rom com yet for the yeah. for these episodes. But the, the, we still haven't touched on a rom com because this... no, I know. And that, I thought the exact same thing because I was like, oh shoot, this isn't a rom com. No, it's not. It's 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 really not romantic. It's about Bradley Cooper reconciling with his terrible decision he made and his terrible choice of words, and yeah. It, it's he does his whole character is a comment is it, it's it's a commentary on on being a guy and how careless mm-hmm. we are with the kind of decisions and, and words we say to get out of situations or to resolve things yeah. like you know what I mean like he was very mm-hmm. relatable he wasn't a bad guy by any stretch of the imagination no he was he, just I I actually love the part when he starts to panic. Um, okay. Yeah, we got to talk about that. Uh, what's his name? Hartman. Oh, I'm so bad with their names here. No, that's literally his name. I don't even think he has a last name. He's just Hartman. Yeah, Hartman. So Hartman starts trolling, um, trolling, uh, Mary. Yeah. And, and which is kind of bad once you realize that she, she has autism, but, it's pretty funny at the same time because she's obviously like chasing after chasing after Steve and then yeah. Hart- Hartman comes out of nowhere and just starts um, encouraging her and telling her all these things like, oh, if he tells you to go away, he's not being serious and you should stay. And so just influence her, influences her to uh, to like chase him even more. And yeah. uh is, there's what is it there's like one scene where they're in texas and in the desert somewhere and yeah. he's just like freaking out telling telling them not to eat the chips because they might be poisoned and stuff yeah. and like he's wearing like the, a wig yeah yeah and like a, fa- a fake mustache yeah. yeah and then but the other side of it is that i was thinking is like this guy has no idea right like yeah i don't think he realizes what's up with her until the end of the movie. Yeah. And uh, so so it's kind of funny because I would probably react in the same way without, like, really knowing, right? Because you can't, like, you can't get to know someone. The, 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 the events that transpired between them were, like, meet in a house, go in a car. She jumps his bones, says a bunch of words. He tell, yeah. makes up a story. She leaves, and then she just chases him around. Like, there's not a whole lot that he can go off of. And uh, it's only till like, she goes on her journey to to find him that she, like, meets people. And uh, there's a scene with the truck driver, right? Yeah. And she's, like, sitting there talking with this <laughs> truck driver. Can, can I say one thing? Can I yeah, say one thing yeah. right there? Thanks for not raping me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, like, man. Funniest line. Holy smokes. Yeah. It, and uh, so this truck driver, she's in the vehicle with him. And, I love um, that guy. Yeah, he was a solid dude. Yeah. Takes a, she gets she gets kicked out of a bus because she's just telling everyone facts on the bus. Which Those jerks, if I was man. I w- if I was on the bus, like on my Instagram feed, I just follow random accounts that just have random facts. Like I just love reading random facts. And yeah. I I would be so fascinated with everything she was saying. Totally, but that was the that's the cultural commentary, hey? Like that. Yeah. She gets kicked off the bus. Like they they abandon yeah. her at a truck stop. Yeah, and okay, so she gets abandoned at the truck stop. The trucker comes and like helps her out and picks her up and gives her a ride. Um, yeah. And then at one point they're in the truck driving, and he says like, "Okay, I think it's for a quiet time." And 
and uh, you're like, oh, okay. And then the, like she drops them off and they look like they're laughing and having fun and um, like just, ju- they just look like they became friends essentially. They don't yeah. show the friendship happening because uh, they kind of cut that scene out, but you can tell that she won him over. Totally. She wins over just about everyone that she comes across. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah, so so I thought that I thought that was awesome that here's this here's this uh, truck driver who uh, is trapped in a vehicle with her and through talking to her and like obviously getting to know her, he put he put two on top of two and realized that um, that like w- what was up with her and then became mm-hmm. her friend. Totally, which is a which is a, a great subversion of expectations because usually in movies you think the truck like j- it's just the way it is, right? You think oh the truck driver is going to be the sketchy guy, but it turns out yeah. that the busload of like tourists was the sketchy group. They're the ones that dished her on the side of the road, you know what I mean? And the yeah. truck driver ends up being the good guy. And I love that kind of stuff in comedies where you know it just it, it's those little subversions that kind of keep you guessing. I love that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah, it just yeah, just another beautiful scene that goes quietly unnoticed in this movie. That's probably that should be on the poster. Uh, it should be all about Steve, and then right underneath it, quietly unnoticed. <laughs> yeah, we we could go back to and edit the first episode and now put this as our underrated, under most underrated movie. Actually, though. Yeah. See, because it's interesting because uh, like. Mary refers to Steve as her ticket to normal. Yeah. Which is just just in itself such a sad statement. But you see her point of view. She's being pressured by her Jewish Catholic parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, I thought that, I thought that you get, I thought Jewish comes from the mother's side. I can't remember how that works, but I, I was like, it raised some question in my mind about her heritage, but that's not important. But uh, um, like she's she's getting pressured constantly by her parents, you know, like her work, everyone she's being pigeonholed like she can only do so much at her job. And, yeah. you know, her her friends are like, oh, like they're they're not really existent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when her, her friend you know, was a hamster, her friend was literally a hamster until so, she met those other two. Yeah. Exactly. Her whole identity was attached to this job. And when the job got taken out from under her, she she saw Steve as, quote unquote, her ticket to normal. Mm -hmm. And And how many how many times do you see that actually happen in life where people think that entering a relationship will like make them normal or will make their parents happy to solve all their problems? Exactly. Yeah. And and it doesn't always work like that. It doesn't, and that's what's so great about this movie is it totally subverts your expectations. She does not, spoiler alert, uh, she does not ultimately end up together with Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. at the end of the movie with Steve. That's That was never the point of this film. Yeah. And and that's what's so interesting to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, for myself, like, I, I relate to her on, on that level, too, because, like, I come from an ethnic family, where marriage is like a big deal and if you're not married by the time you're like 25 you're getting old and mm. you know like I'm a, I'm a single dude and and uh like I always think like that too but it's not the end of the world um, yeah. life goes on and you can still have fun and you can still do the things that you love 
Oh, that's so good, man. That's such yeah. Uh. <laughs> like the the one of the most positive messages in any movie I've ever watched. Like I'll hands down say that. That's yeah. I mean, that's true. I'm I'm not even exaggerating for the sake of what the concept of this podcast is. I'm literally not like this is this is really like uh, it's it's like being sucker punched by a film where you just sit down yeah. thinking it's one thing and then all of a sudden you're like. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. yeah the, like I said, but like the more I dug online, the more I realized how much the representation in this film resonated with people. And that's something, that's something I just never would have looked into before, you know, uh, cause I was on when did this come out? 2009. Like I just, I had, I had moved to Edmonton like a year prior. I was putting my life together. I didn't think that much about these kind of things to be honest with you. And now, you know, reading some of these beautiful breakdowns and in interviews where people say, like there was this other person that had mentioned how like their their daughter finally had someone in Hollywood to look up to because up until mm-hmm. then no one acted like her on film. Yeah. That's nuts to me, man. Like this is <laughs> this movie that just got slam-basted by critics and and you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh that that's so crazy to me. Yeah. It yeah. I can't stop saying how positive this movie is. Yeah, it's definitely a feel-good movie. So, just I, I feel like we've we've already like gushed all over this, but uh, because yeah. there is some goofy stuff in this film, Aaron, I did want to talk about a couple of the goofy okay, things. Okay, yeah, just just, just for fun more than anything. <laughs> yeah. First off, um, can we talk about the uh, the apple sculptures? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh... There's this one there's this one shot where they show the back of the car and there was this website on his bumper sticker that said www.appleheadsrule.com and uh I was very disappointed when I tried going to that website and it was <laughs> it was no longer listed. <laughs> yeah. I was so I wonder sad. if it was uh if it was like a website it, it whenever this movie came out. Do you think that they did that? It had to have been. You don't just put a website in a movie yeah. without it. But if someone's visit, if someone knew what it was, if you have screen ga- grabs or anything, please send it to us. I would love to see what was going on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, that District Nine when they did that too, where you would, yeah. if you saw an alien, you called the number and you called the number and it like gave you a voice recording. It was pretty cool. Yeah, some of that viral stuff is so neat. Um. Okay, so uh, one of my favorite lines in this in this movie it actually happens right at the beginning, and uh, it's the scene when she's meeting Bradley Cooper, and <laughs> yeah. she like comes down the stairs, and he says like "hello," and then she just doesn't say anything and just kind of <laughs> tells him like motions to him with her finger to like wait, runs back up the stairs, and then runs down is just wearing this trashy outfit yeah and, and uh he just says nice boots yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i just like love that line for some reason anytime you get the opportunity to tell someone they have nice boots it's a, it's a great feeling it doesn't happen very often no it doesn't no um do you have a wtf moment for this film ah uh, because i don't I, know i definitely have one okay Tell me. So, um, near what kind of frames up the climax of the film is that a bunch of hearing impaired kids are wandering through a yeah. forest towards an amusement park, 
and the ground opens up and they fall into a mm -hmm. abandoned mine. But yeah. there's something so off about how this scene was shot. Like, I actually, for a <laughs> second, was like, is there a commercial in this film? Like, what's going on here? It, the lighting was, it was all... like a scene out of Smallville. Yeah, like the lighting was all wrong. I I, I legit thought that that uh, the the Google Play like glitched out, and I was like, is this the same film? And then when they just like all <laughs> fall in this hole, I was like, what the frick's happening? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah, legitimately felt like it cut to a different film. Yeah, it was. It was so bizarre, Aaron, that scene. Yeah, it, it was a little bit bizarre. And then the fact that those kids fell down this hole and none of them got hurt. They were like all okay. They were all okay. Yeah, they all, I guess, landed in the water. Um, Man, why do you think the reason is that they put, uh, like, instead of just regular kids, that they were all deaf kids? Um, That's a really good question. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I was... I had this quite I I looked into like who wrote this because I was curious if the writer had any connection to like special needs children or or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find a stitch on her, man. Uh, the person who wrote this her name or his name actually, I don't even know because there's no picture. Kim Kim Barker. So Kim could be, you know, I assume it's a it's a female because I think I saw like a photo but she only had like two IMDb credits and I couldn't find anything out about her. Like Oh yeah, yeah, nothing. Nothing, not a not a single blip. So I was like, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they were certainly like uh, trying to get as much representation in the film as they could. Like mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I have no idea. Um, I yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, like I like it doesn't seem like there's a message there at all. But I, I'm no. not really sure. No, like there's no like unlike unlike some of the other stuff we just talked about. Like I didn't see any dots there to connect like no. symbolically or anything. Um the only thing I could think was that like Mary Mary very much goes on the hero's journey in this film. Yeah. Which is also unexpected for a rom-com. Mm -hmm. Um and the only thing I could think was that, you know, she was symbolically at the lowest of the low, you know. So mm -hmm. she was just in a hole um, here's what I think. Here's what I think. Um, her whole thing is sharing facts with people and yeah. talking and communicating her knowledge. Um, in fact, her, her, her whole job is like writing these crosswords. So her power over the, over the English language was her validation. So by not only sticking her under the ground, but putting her next to a girl who literally couldn't even understand her. Mm-hmm was putting her at the lowest of the low of the low of the low. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. just basically saying like no one can even understand you now. And that's when she kind of cracks and cries mm. and you know like has that Yeah, she has a little mental breakdown at that point, right? That's the only reason I can think of is yeah. that they just wanted that specific moment. But again, I don't know if I'm giving this movie too much credit. Like all this stuff we're talking about sounds great, but did yeah. they mean it? Oh, they had to. They had to mean yeah? that. Because, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Because I thought it was along the lines when the little girl, because I guess she can understand sign language, but she can't do the hand motions, which mm -hmm. I don't think makes sense. 
Um, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like if you memorize the hand motions like shouldn't you be able to re- I don't know um, but anyways so the fact that she yeah has that mental breakdown but like you said no one hears her for the first time probably in her life yeah and I think it also kind of made it a safe space for her where there was someone there but she didn't understand and so she was able to be herself but uh, mm. also just unload without having any repercussions Oh, that's interesting too, because there, like that, that fear of judgment of mm-hmm. actually expressing yourself was gone because she was it was it was literally yeah. falling on deaf ears. Yeah. And oh, that's kind of cool. And poetic, yeah, hey? yeah, was, yeah. Oh, oh man, this movie—it's so <laughs> deep. <laughs> come on, come on. I like now talking about it with you here. I'm like, oh man, like I almost want to watch it again to like to to catch out more of the deep stuff that goes on in it. Yeah, there is, uh, if you can get past some of the weird, cringy stuff, there is, like, there is some serious character work going on here. Some serious stuff. I thought in the movie that she seemed like she was a bit cursed, almost. Oh, Uh, interesting. Like, she just kind of had bad luck in everything that she did. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that might be, you could almost view it that way. But once you kind of realize that she she is autistic, it kind of makes more sense. Because mm-hmm. like she like everything she does, like she you know she gets if you want to think it, she like runs into the hole. She gets thrown <laughs> off like thrown off a bus. You know she she's just always doing she she's just always doing stuff that like gets her into trouble or gets her into situations. Um, convinces people to like chase this guy and then gets like wrecked. They get their car wrecked by a tornado. Yeah. Yeah, that tornado just comes out of nowhere. And if she is, like, cursed and having bad luck or whatever of that, like, negative stuff that's surrounding her, another positive thing is the way that she stays positive throughout everything bad that happens. Oh, totally. Yeah, like, I would be, if I went through what she went through, I'd be losing my flipping mind, man. Mm-hmm. But she yeah. somehow corrals it all back together and MacGyvers herself like <laughs> MacGyver. out of the hole. Yeah, she was so excited to be going through that tornado that it actually lifted the spirits of her friends that were with her. Yeah, I thought that was like super cute too. Yeah. She just like sees the... It was funny though because she's like, oh, look at these bugs. They only come here like whatever, once a year. This is a miracle that we're seeing them. And then literally two seconds after his car gets like ripped up in the air. And he's like, oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. There's so much. Yeah. Did you catch like the 7-Eleven double gulp product placement? Yes. I, uh, I never, I never, it never registers for me. Oh, it never registered. Oh, yeah. Man. I'm just, I, I, I like. I saw it. I know exactly what you're talking about. But um, yeah. and like, there's Twinkie, Twinkies references. Yeah, there's some serious double gulp. Big. You gulp know what I was thinking? On. I would love for like someone to bring me a Twinkie, and I can't believe that uh, uh, Steve is just so creeped out. If someone was like, "Hey, I came all the way from like this distance to find you and bring you a Twinkie," like I, like yeah. I. I would be so thankful. Just some Twinkie wrapper in his Bronco or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that yeah. she shoves in her bra. <laughs> yeah, but you know what was so cool is she absolutely dissects him in like two seconds flat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in her mind, she just, I mean, she's so excited when they're when they're kind of hooking up, quote unquote, 
that she just can't stop talking because she's just so excited and that's just her personality. Mm-hmm. But she completely like dissects him like x-ray machine has him all figured out remembers every single word he says verbatim like yeah she's just all over that it was oh really impressive. and uh what's that other like earlier when she's talking about uh talking about that she has a blind date that she's going on she says he's probably gonna be gay and uh she gets into the uh into the car and she looks at his cars and and what's what are his belongings <laughs> in the car and she like sees a baseball glove sees like a bunch of other i guess like manly stuff um yeah. doing air quotes for those of you who like can't see my fingers um and says oh he's not gay like and that's all within the span of what a couple seconds yeah, she like Sherlock Holmes his entire existence, yeah. this whole thing. But it's funny because she thinks that she's going on the blind date so that um, her that so that Bradley Cooper's parents, who we don't meet, so Bradley Cooper's parents can make sure she she's she's assuming that the only reason she's on this date is to prove that he's not gay. Yeah, she thinks yeah. that lowly of herself, which is um, where she starts thinking that she's just being used to validate someone's sexuality to at the end of the movie. Like, it's mm. such a journey. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what other scene that I really liked is when the kids are roasting her. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really funny. Uh, yeah, that was funny. And then, and then I don't, for for those of you who ever watched that uh, show, iCarly, that's Gibby in the audience there. It's a little fun mm. trivia for you. Yeah, there was a few little interesting uh, nods and cameos and things like that. Yeah. You know what was weird to me and off-putting just just uh, as we kind of pulled this train into the station was uh, Thomas Hayden Church's character, Hartman. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple times where he, like, smacks her right on the butt. Yeah, okay. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like like this you know it it really jumped out at me in the era in like the me too kind of era i was like whoa like you can't do that like he's kind of this like self-serving meathead reporter guy you know who's trying to get an anchor position and stuff like that but he's like simultaneously nice to her but then Mm -hmm. a moment later will completely like disregard everything (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah it was so like off-putting. I was like, "Oh man, did he have to do that?" He's like, his last line he says to her, he's like, "Well, have a good life," and just like smacks her square on the butt. <laughs> I was like, "What the heck?" Yeah, that's so weird. It was weird. Yeah. Um, I didn't think he, it was funny. <laughs> I was like, "Oh no!" I it was like it was totally out of content context because oh, yeah. because you because like they just they get out of the hole. She lets him take credit. Like, what a nice person! Lets him take yeah. credit for getting out of the hole because uh, yeah. he decides to jump in after, and yeah. then uh, and then he um, yeah, and then he like takes the credit, smacks her bottom, and then she just leaves. And you're like, oh, like, I don't like the events that just transpired there. Yeah, I feel like he maybe didn't deserve what he ended up getting. But yeah, um, yeah, very interesting. Very weird, a very weird tone to end to to wrap things up on. But definitely jumped out at me as being worth (laughs) writing down. Well, the the other thing, too, is... I like that every character kind of comes to a close. Like, mm. um, 
Bradley Cooper eventually realizes the area in his in like the error in his ways. Uh, same with Hartman. Uh, same with the other dude. What's his name again? Uh, Ken uh, Angus. Yeah, <laughs> Ken Jeong. Yeah, yeah, Angus Ken Jeong. Um, you know, because he's like he's a super timid guy, kind of a pushover, and then finally stands up for himself at the end of the movie. Finally, just snaps. Yeah, and so I th- like overwhelmingly positive about just standing up for yourself and being who you are. Yes, absolutely. Totally. That's yeah. What a takeaway. I did not expect. I don't know. I I did not expect any of that kind of depth going into this film. Not at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like depth upon depth upon depth in this movie. Like, Unless we are reading into it way too much. I honestly, no, I don't think we are. I think that was the whole problem with this film is that no one read into it. Yeah. Um, when it came out, mind you, to generalize. I just don't think when it came to theaters, people um, people just thought it was a misfire. Yeah. Um, yeah. They went into it thinking, oh, I hope this film makes me cry because Bradley Cooper and Sandra Bullock fall in love. But when you're Sandra Bullock, you've already done that like 16 times. You want to do something different. And then you yeah, did, you know. Because she just, this is the same year she did the proposal, right? Is it? Yeah. She put on I like, so. th- because this film was delayed, she had like three films in the theater that year. And the proposal is, which by the way, is a great rom-com. Yeah. And this, this unfairly got compared to that all year long, yeah. which just yeah. didn't make sense because it's totally so, a Probably another reason why it didn't do so well. Yeah. That's so funny, hey? She's such a successful movie star that she cast her. She overshadowed herself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I think if this movie, if if they kind of cut this movie and kind of made it more of that indie vibe, Little Miss Sunshine vibe, Mm -hmm. this movie would be an instant success. Yeah, totally. And back then, it, it would have, it, yeah, as an indie film in 2009, this would have been right on the money. Yeah. Um, but it just, marketing team just took this film out back and shot it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What a surprise, man. What a stinking surprise yeah. to add to our, to our uh, episode roster here. I'm really shocked. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, I can't, uh, Aaron, if you were if you were recommending this film to someone, what would you say? Oh, I would say, do you like hearing a absolutely positive message that you come out of uh, and feel way better about yes. yourself? <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> Here's what I would say. So, all about Steve. Is it solvable? Yes. Is it entertaining? Yes. Does it sparkle? Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, it's like yeah nice um i would rate (laughs) this i would rate this 36 red boots out of 36 red boots okay uh i would rate this uh five apple sculptures of uh of uh, mary magdalene horowitz out of five (laughs) apple sculptures of mary magdalene horowitz nice um, okay, but seriously, if you had to give this a percentage, what would you put it at? Oh man, I'm 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 right up there on this one. This is ridiculous to me that it has such a low rating. I just don't believe yeah. it now. Oh yeah, I'm probably like I'm honestly probably like seventy-ish percent somewhere in there. Yeah. 
because oh, okay. it's still, I, it's just, it still has its faults and it still is yeah. a bit clunky. And the third act drags like a mother for a while. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, this, I would say I'm in that like 60, 68%. I think that's where I would put it. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. So definitely yeah. over 50, but not quite like, you know, what is that as like a letter grade? Is that like a, is that like a C minus, C plus, C, somewhere in there? Uh, yeah, Maybe like a yeah. C plus. C plus. Yeah, let's call yeah. it a C plus. Yeah. If there wasn't, sure. if if the tone of the movie was just a little bit different, uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be an A plus. And if they let Ken Jong be Ken Jong in this film, because truthfully, yeah. his character could have been anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He was not getting to be himself at all in this film, so that kind of sucks. But no. Well, that well, is, we talked all about Steve, man. <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, we did it. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into to this episode. Um, I, it's it's funny. I feel like the uh, the uh, the episodes in terms of download numbers is specifically related to the interest in that particular film. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly how many people are going to listen to this episode and how many people have actually watched this movie. But if you haven't seen it and you're in the mood for a quirky, kind of yeah. off kilter. Uh, kind of comedy, kind of romance, but at the same time, all these things we talked about. Um, definitely check it out. And uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. on behalf of myself and Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast, check out our socials, shoot us an email, keep in touch, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.